0: Welcome back to the According to Sources Football Podcast. I'm Alex Burns, uh, joined as always by TJ Shriano. TJ, do you have any uh, plans for Memorial Day?
1: No, we were planning on trying to do something, and it's absolutely gross out in South Florida.
0: (laughs) It's awful. Yep, same here. I really wanted to grill some steaks and uh, hang out with my family, but it is – I mean, I don't think it's rained harder in the past couple months here. So probably not going to be a no-go for us, but – It's nice to hang out with family and and enjoy the day off. But we get to talk some football. That's what I'm excited for. me too. Uh, We've got a lot of stuff to talk about, uh, some rapid fire. It was kind of a slow week uh, in the NFL as far as, you know, things that would affect the field or this upcoming season. Um, But a lot of cool stories that kind of happened throughout the week just pertaining to NFL players or funny rumors and especially Eli Manning joining Twitter. That was the highlight of my Sunday. Yes. Watching him live tweet that golf tournament that we had um, going on yesterday. Uh, before we jump in, though, make sure to follow us on Twitter at Alex Burns Hoops and at TJ Shriano. and then also our football podcast. According to sources, we have our own Twitter page too, so you can follow us on there. It's ATS Football Pod. We'll put everything in the description so you can join right in. Um, but without further ado, let's jump into some rapid fire. Uh, biggest storyline, in my opinion, this week was Dak Prescott turning down a $175 million deal. What in the world's happening? What are your thoughts on that? Make some sense of this.
1: Yeah, so I I have my real opinion, and I have my opinion that's, like, altered by the reality of the NFL. My real opinion is he's not worth that much money. He should have taken that contract. My opinion that's altered by the reality of the NFL is, like, every time a decent quarterback gets free agency, they reset the market. He's already resetting the market at that price. I don't know what he's looking for when he's trying to get more.
0: Yeah, very true. And I, I tweeted this a couple of days ago, but my question is just who's advising him on this? I, I mean, the, I mean that 175 million dollars a year. I believe it was four years. Um, that's a crazy deal. Oh, five five years, that's a crazy deal. Then it comes out after you know he declined it, and he wants north of 45 plus million dollars a year. Um, listen, I think Dak is a good quarterback. I'm probably higher on Dak than you are because I'm not a Giants fan. Um, But let's be real. The offense has been stacked with weapons. It's been an elite offensive line ever since he took over. Um, He's had a lot of weapons, whether it's Des Bryant, whether it's Amari Cooper. Now you're adding CeeDee Lamb. He's had Ezekiel Elliott in the backfield to take attention away. I'm not saying that anybody could put up numbers in that offense because, I mean, obviously you have to have some sort of competency. But uh, Andy Dalton is right behind him, and I don't think Jerry Jones would be afraid to, you know, if Dak is really going to stand on his request and, and really want more money. I mean, Andy Dalton's a competent quarterback, don't you think? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. We talked about this a, little, uh, a couple episodes ago that, like, I feel – I genuinely believe that Andy Dalton could put up at least close to what Dak is putting up, if not more numbers yeah. than Dak's put up. Because he – I can't remember the exact numbers, but the, through the first four seasons of their careers – their numbers are identical and they actually favor Andy Dalton. Yeah. So you give Dalton the weapons that Dak has had, I think he could easily match the production.
0: Yeah. And it's interesting with Dalton too, now that I'm just thinking about it, because I mean, he's no slouch at quarterback. I mean, he's not, you know, top five, top 10 quarterback in the NFL, but he's, he's Mm -hmm. a starting caliber quarterback. He's put up solid numbers through his uh, career so far. I think there's multiple teams. He could have been the starter this year. And it's interesting that he chose to sign a one-year deal with Dallas Especially with COVID nineteen going on, all the stuff that's that's happening, he's from Dallas. It sounds like to me he just kind of wanted to have a year in a, in a year of uncertainty where he was just at home, could just you know get paid, have a nice <laughs> have a nice one year salary, yeah. and possibly go somewhere else next year. But I mean, if this Dak situation, if he doesn't really come to his senses and he continues to want more money, I don't think Jerry Jones is paying him that you know north of forty five million a year. No, uh, Dalton might get a shot <laughs> yeah. taken over if if Dak holds out.
1: I can see Dalton approaching this contract in, like, one of two ways. He's either doing the Teddy Bridgewater route where he's like, I'm going to sign a one-year deal, maybe play, like, three or four games, show that I still got it,
0: yeah. and
1: then dip. Or yeah. he's betting on Dak not playing, like returning because he doesn't want to sign the contract, and he's like, this is going to become my team. Yep. I'm going to put up good numbers and play a lot cheaper than Dak's going to play. Yep. And, I'll and then next
0: year's offseason, he's in a request north of $45 million a year. <laughs> Every quarterback in the Dallas offense wants money. Um, yeah, I think it's crazy. I don't think Jerry Jones is going to pay him. Um, I don't either. But, uh, you know, it's, hey, good for him trying to get paid. He's definitely a good quarterback. He deserves to reset the market or be somewhere around it. But, uh, you know, just he's pushing too much. So. Yeah, exactly. Uh, uh, next thing we have is Carlos Hyde. He signed with the Seattle Seahawks. Kind of an interesting signing. Um, Carlos Hyde, I feel like, is one of those running backs every year that uh, he just latches on with a team on a one-year deal. and just caps the fantasy upside for whoever running back is, you know, the main guy in that city Mm -hmm. or for that team. Uh, What are your thoughts on this, this signing?
1: Yeah, I like it. It's going to be a solid like upside uh, signing for them. He's like you said, he's just solid and he kind of like caps the fantasy side, but I think he also improves the overall running game of whatever team he goes to. The thing I found really interesting about the signing was every report was saying that they signed him and they were interested in Devontae Freeman in case Rashad Penny wasn't ready for week one, Uh not in case Chris Carson wasn't ready. So it, to me, it like kind of signals what I was talking about last week about how like I think Rashad Penny is going to steal the backfield, show he was worth that number one pick this year. And I think Seattle's kind of betting on that too.
0: Yeah. It's a weird backfield. And from a fantasy perspective, as much as I hate it, because I like Chris Carson, um, if you think about towards the end of last year before both running backs got hurt, uh, you know Penny was becoming more involved because Carson has a fumble, fumble issues and he couldn't hold on to the ball. And so they were including Penny a little bit more. Um, and now if Penny's not going to be ready, I know I've heard some stuff saying he's going to begin the year on PUP, um, possibly. I mean, you could have Carlos Hyde and uh, Chris Carson, you know, taking over as the as the two lead running backs in this offense. Yeah. I don't know. Um, we got to wait to see if Chris Carson will be healthy, but I think what this actually does point to is I think Carlos Hyde is there for stability, like mm-hmm. what you alluded to. Uh, he's a competent running back. But I think the Seahawks might be passing a little bit more in 2020.
1: I hope so. Yeah, Russ deserves he it.
0: <laughs> he definitely deserves it, and that also means a big bump for uh, DK Metcalf, um, yeah. who I'm, I'm excited to watch. I like him a lot. Um, but yeah, it'll be interesting. Um, and there's also been rumors about like Marshawn Lynch, his, his agent reaching out to the Seahawks. I think that I think they're done with that probably. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it should it should bolster a little bit of uh, of competence in the running back position um, in Seattle. Do you have anything else yeah. you want to add on that?
1: Yeah, the only the other thing I would say is like all the Miami Hurricanes fans that are hoping for Travis Homer to get a roster spot, I think this kind of signals that he's <laughs>
0: yeah. getting cut. Or we have also have DJ Dallas. Run. Yeah. Yeah. Also have DJ Dallas, which is a fellow uh, Miami Hurricane um, graduate. So it'll be interesting. I know a lot of people, they didn't expect the Seahawks to really go out and draft a running back. And then when they mm-hmm. kind of passed in the first couple rounds, it was like, oh, you know, they're going to roll with Carson and, and Penny. Uh, you know they must be healthy and then they stagged Dallas I think it was in the fourth round was it
1: something like that it was day three for sure
0: fourth round I think he'll be on the roster I think he'll be one of those guys that kind of mixes in on passing downs especially if Penny is you know unable to play or is is limited so yeah it'll be nice Um, I'm excited about this the Seahawks team they were in the NFC West uh, topic that we talked on last week and which is going to be a very competitive division so Russell Wilson might have to carry that team in 2020
1: yeah it'll be exciting if he does
0: yeah uh, next thing on our on our list, Jamal Adams, crazy. We've talked about uh, him a couple times in the first couple weeks of this podcast, yeah. and it was all rumors and just about how you know the Jets might be looking to trade him, and then it kind of just was quieted down. And now it's picking it back up. There's some traction, you know, on those rumors again. Um, they might be putting him on the trading block. I know you're a huge Jamal Adams fan, and your whole take. And I think it was the first week of our podcast where you were extremely happy that you have Ashton Davis. And Jamal Adams lined up as your safeties and it really allows flexibility for your defense. Yeah. What are they thinking? I mean, what is Adam Gase thinking? Yeah.
1: Adam Gase is just crazy. That's, it's that's insane. all I have to say about that. He just, he's kind of like a, like kind of like Bill O'Brien, how Bill O'Brien just like, if I don't agree with you or I don't like you, you're gone. Yep. And if I can't get rid of you, I'm going to lower your touches. And I think that's kind of like what he's doing with Adams. He's trying to get rid of him. Cause he's like him. He drafted a free safety. Marcus May is probably better suited for strong safety anyway. So, basically, he's, like, kind of signaling, like, we want to get rid of you, but we you know you're good, so we're going to keep you either way. Like, it's so dumb. So dumb.
0: Yeah. Jamal Adams is one of the – I mean, it just goes without saying, he's one of the best young players on defense in the NFL. I would gladly have him on my team. It's yeah. probably going to be a super high price. But, um, yeah, it just points back to Adam Gase being an idiot, like always. Yeah.
1: The thing that's gonna um, be interesting is gonna be the trade compensation for him. Yeah, I, I saw John Ledyard over from Peter Report talking about it, and he's like, he's easily a top five or ten safety in the NFL, easily super valuable for what he does. He's like, but what he does isn't that valuable in the grand scheme of the NFL
0: uh-huh.
1: because he's not in a like sideline to sideline free safety. So he's yeah. like, is there gonna be a team that's willing to give up a first round plus for him?
0: I think so. I don't think I it's too. going to be multiple. I think so. I just think because, you know, of his age, and he's so young, and he has so much potential, and he's shown so much in, you know, a couple of short years. That's why I think a team's going to just jump on it, especially a team that I want to say is in kind of win-now mode and just needs to show up a couple positions on their defense. Yeah. Um, would love to add Jamal Adams. So, I agree. Yeah. Um, moving on, uh, next thing, and I'm excited to talk about this. We're going to kind of move um, from some stuff that will affect, you know, 2020 – the 2020 NFL season and some off the field stuff. And what I have right here is the Devonte Parker and, uh, Michael Thomas Twitter beef. Yes. I, I love this as a dolphin fan. And as somebody who has been a Devonte Parker fan and has been waiting for him to finally be unleashed for what, four years, I'm passionate about this topic. And if you don't know what we're talking about, um, I guess there was some Instagram post, um, that said it gave a couple options and it was just like hey comment who would be the tougher matchup a or b and i think a was like uh defending michael thomas or something and then b was like catching a touchdown or or, def- or trying to catch a pass on Stefan gilmore maybe i butchered yeah. that. was that what it was it, i
1: think it was like trying to break up a pass from michael thomas and then uh, i think you were right about the gilmore one
0: Stefan gilmore and so i guess Devonte parker i don't think he was like trying to take shots i think he was just Honest, you know, answering honestly, he picked B. So he picked that it would be harder to uh, catch a pass on Stefan Gilmore than it would be to break up a pass on, on Michael Thomas. And I guess Thomas took it personal, went to Twitter, and uh, a huge beef started going on uh, between both of them. And, and Thomas was stating that Parker's not on his level, and it's just this insane fight. Do you want to go first?
1: Yeah. Because uh, I, th-
0: <laughs> I want we- for last.
1: Yeah, I just wanted to go first because we texted about this a little bit after it yeah. happened, and Devonte Parker obviously isn't Michael Thomas. Michael Thomas has been insane, yeah. great player. Uh, he's very easily become, like, one of the most unlikable players off the field, though, this offseason. And the thing that, like, annoys me about this the most is he's getting so upset about Devontae Parker saying that without any intention behind it and saying that he can't, like, hold his jock trap kind of thing. But Michael Thomas and Devontae Parker – have not been that far behind each other since no. Adam Gase left Miami. No. They have been, like, almost identical stats-wise. Thomas any. has done it a lot longer, and he's like, doesn't drop any passes, catches well over 100 balls every season.
0: Yeah.
1: But Parker has been a beast since Adam Gase left Miami. So you can't just say you can't hold a shock strap like that.
0: I mean, two players that could not have had more opposite starts their NFL career. I mean, one in Thomas was drafted into one of the most high-powered, efficient offensive systems with a Hall of Fame quarterback who is also the most accurate quarterback in NFL history, throwing him the football. Exactly. While being schemed up by one of the best offensive minds in football, in Sean Payton, and then you have Devonte Parker drafted. Uh, was it Adam? G- yeah, Adam Gaines drafted him in 2016. Who we just got done saying he's an idiot. He's one of the worst coaches in the NFL, mm-hmm. and he's had like a whole plethora of quarterbacks ran Josh Rosen, Ryan Fitzpatrick. He had Ryan Tannehill. There's just been so much inconsistency. Jay Cutler. Y'all even say Matt Jay Horn. Cutler. Matt Moore. Literally. There's been so much inconsistency there in the quarterback position of Miami. And last year with Adam Gase gone and with Ryan Fitzpatrick, who is a very competent quarterback, uh, Devonte Parker put up numbers, and like I'm not trying to say at all that Michael Thomas is better or is uh is not as good as Devonte Parker or Thomas or Parker's better. Obviously, Michael Thomas is one of the best receivers in the game of football. Yeah. Um, and I, I you know this is not for the sake of this argument, but just interesting. Did you see the stat? I'm gonna butcher this. That said, um, if you take off, um. All of Michael Thomas's catches from like behind the line of scrimmage or on the line of scrimmage, I think his last year stats he had like 15 catches or something.
1: Yeah, I I can't remember what the stat was, but it skewed it so bad if you took away all the slants and drags and stuff like that.
0: Yeah, it was just, it was like it was something like 12 catches, like 25 yards and like a touchdown or something. Yeah, and I'm just like whoa, like that doesn't, I mean that's not for the sake of this argument or this debate and who's better or whatever. Obviously Michael Thomas, if you're drafting a team right now, you're selecting Thomas, um, as, as a receiver over Parker. But I mean, listen to what, to your point, you know, Parker's in that conversation when he has competent coaching and a competent, you know, quarterback system. And he yeah. showed that last year, it'll be interesting to see what he can do in a in, uh, year two under Flores. And, and especially with, um, you know, Chad O'Shea, the, you know, Offensive coordinator getting fired. Yeah. Which, by the way, let's segue into that because it kind of has it goes hand in hand with Devontae Parker. Um, yeah. Chad O'Shea fired his Dolphins, Dolphins offensive coordinator for attempting to install the Patriots' offensive system. The confusing, the you know, highly interesting. What, what would you? What's some adjectives you'd use to describe the Patriot system? Something yeah. came from Bill Belichick.
1: Yeah, I think anything coming from Bill Belichick is probably complex, <laughs> complex and
0: complex multi. Yes
1: multi-versatile, multifaceted, yeah. tons of variety. And doing that on a roster so young, like the Dolphins, it's just not a good idea. And I heard Flores was like, no, this is not happening. We can't do this with this roster yet. And then O'Shea tried doing it anyways. Yeah. And that's why that he's gone, even though he like looked like a decent coordinator last year.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, so Belichick and, and Brady, obviously they were together for, for like 20 years, uh, just under 20 years, but – uh, and some of those receivers they had on their roster. I mean, with the exception of last year when they had Nikhil Carey and probably twenty thirteen when they had those those years with I think it was Aaron Dobson and it was uh Tompkins. I don't know if you remember that. Oh my that gosh, like, yes. Remember that? That was when they had all those young receivers. For the most part, Brady and Belichick have had pretty, you know, solid receiving weapons that have been veterans, yeah. can understand complex systems. Yeah. It's just not gonna work on the, you know, Dolphins' young roster.
1: Yeah and even just like ignoring who the receivers were they always love the running backs and the tight ends in New England yeah. anyways so you can have like a wide receiver walk in out of walmart like they literally did basically and learn the system because he's not going to get many targets anyways
0: exactly exactly and it's interesting to note too um, i don't know if this really makes sense but it's something that i just thought of usually rookie receivers tend to struggle in that system i mean rookie oh, yeah. receivers rec- receivers Rookie receivers tend to struggle in the first couple of years, anyways, mm-hmm. um, until they kind of get adjusted. But if you think about the Patriots system over the past couple of years, like Mike Mitchell, or uh, what's his name? Uh, Malcolm Mitchell, excuse me. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had like an okay rookie year, and he's, I mean, I don't think he's in the NFL anymore. And then you have, uh, you okay. know, guys like, I the, we we mentioned, Kembrell Tompkins, Aaron Dobson. I just, people, you know, young receivers in this offense, you know, they really don't seem to enter that, you know, I don't want to say elite, but just like solid tier starter. They kind of either move on or, you know, their careers kind of fizzle out. It's usually the he, veterans that really produce in this offense, whether it's
1: – He's out of the NFL now.
0: Yeah, I, I, actually I just thought about it him the other it, day. Malcolm Mitchell. Mm-hmm. I thought about him the other day, and I was like, what happened to him? He was good. Uh, he was like a solid rookie. And yeah. And <laughs> we Googled him, but he's out of the NFL.
1: Yeah, I forgot about him. He, he had a pretty decent year. He, yeah. So his career stats were like 400 yards and four touchdowns.
0: All in like one year
1: yeah
0: <laughs> as a rookie and then he had
1: an injury his second year and then after that he was just out of the nfl
0: like if you think about it you know you have obviously randy moss was already oh, wow. he there What he,
1: he had retired in
0: 2019 in.
1: 2016 and retired in 2019
0: but they i think they released him after his rookie year or after his second year or something they released him and yeah. then, then he just kind of decided to call it quits
1: he was cut going into the 2018 season yeah. like before preseason and then retired in march
0: yeah so, so it mean, looked like he was happened? trying to play. Yeah, who knows what happened? But I mean, the receivers that have been productive: Dion Branch, veteran; mm-hmm. you know, Randy Moss, veteran; Julian Edelman, veteran, Brandon LaFell. That I mean, they're all aged receivers who can handle that system and can learn it. And yeah, produce.
1: and usually it's players they bring in from other teams yes. too. Not usually yes. people they draft or sign yes. as UDFA's or something like that.
0: Very true. uh Anything else on this?
1: No, I think that's all I got for that. It's it's very interesting that he thought he could just not listen to his head coach and keep his job though.
0: Yeah. And as a dolphin fan, I love, um, that Flores is taking control of his locker room. Uh, I think it's something that dolphins have lacked in years past, like true leadership. Uh, like Joe Philbin didn't do that. Adam Gase is on crack. I just, we didn't have that (laughs) kind of dominant presence in the locker room. I, I just feel like he, I don't know. I don't know. I just, I love Brian Flores and I love what he's doing, the culture that he's bringing uh, to Miami. So it'll be good. Uh, moving on. This is exciting. Uh, the NFL proposed some new onside kick rules uh, yes. that will be ta- possibly taking shape. They're going to be voting on it to see what people think. Do you want to explain what that is?
1: Yeah. So basically, instead of doing an onside kick, you just go for it on fourth and fifteen, which is, would be so much fun and so much inter- like yeah. entertainment. But the thing that's like crazy is the Chiefs will basically do it every single time. Every time. And I think somebody like mentioned that to the people who proposed the change. Because they changed it from like that's what an onside kick is to you can do that twice a game. Yeah. So I think somebody pointed out like, well, the teams with top five quarterbacks are going to complete that pass every single time.
0: So um, did you say you can only do it twice a game?
1: Yeah, that's the new. They like made a change to it since the original proposal.
0: Okay, so it's not like every single time you score, you can just go fourth and fifteen, do an onside kick.
1: Yeah, I saw Pat McAfee talking about that, and he's and I think this was. It was either right after the proposal change or it was before. And he was like the Chiefs are gonna go up fifty nothing at halftime and bench their starters for the second half of every game.
0: Insane. Insane. And I don't even know what the stat was, but I saw what Patrick Mahomes was on third and fifteen in the ring. It was like he was like fourteen of twenty six, two hundred and fifty yards, and he had like three touchdowns and it was just very efficient. So Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they're gonna they're gonna you're gonna get fifteen yards every single time they try and do that.
1: Yeah. Pat McAfee actually even said it was like his own fault that it happened. <laughs> because he was, like, so successful at converting onside kicks in the, his career. And then he retired, and then the rules changed. So, like, nobody converts it anymore.
0: I do like the NFL trying to um, think outside the box here. And, yeah. you know, try and add a couple things that might spice up some fun. But, which is not typical for the NFL. So, it's nice to see that happening. But we'll we'll see what happens. Um, could be, you know, could be a really big effect on the way some games end, honestly. Yeah. And and the excitement because I mean onside kicks are fun too, but especially watching Patrick Mahomes on a what fourth and fifteen to, to try and you know get his team the possession again would be fun as well. So who knows? Yeah. Um, moving on to uh, number six. Number six thing we're going to talk about this that was kind of interesting. Um, who knows if it's true or not? Uh, but there's been some rumors this week about LeBron James possibly going to the NFL during the 2011 NBA lockout. Um, apparently the report. Uh, said that he was training and started to get into NFL shape, and then I guess he was going to uh, sign a contract with Jerry Jones and the Cowboys uh, to be receiver or tight end i 'm not really sure where you 'd put LeBron, but probably yeah. one of those two positions i don 't really have a take on it, but all I know is a six eight two seventy uh, wide receiver would absolutely terrify me
1: yeah, apparently he was like an all state receiver in high school. <laughs> But like, I can't see him playing receiver in the NFL. I can see him playing tight end and being like the next Gronk, which would be insane. But yeah, I saw I saw Cam Jordan tweet about it, and he was like, "I'm gonna break that body you're so proud of. If you ever try this."
0: <laughs> is is LeBron the best athlete we've ever seen?
1: At, at athlete alone, I would say yeah. yeah like that's what I mean. pure athleticism, yeah.
0: Yeah, like just for to be like his size and like strength plus ability and just. Speed, I just feel like he's insane. He's like a hybrid. Um, so you think he'd play tight end, not receiver?
1: Yeah, that, or he could be like a Calius Campbell clone, because I think they're like the exact same size. <laughs> Dude, I'm going to look it up now.
0: I kind of wish we got that, now that I'm, now that we're talking about it. I kind of wish that we, we ended up getting – and I, listen, that's a lot for me to say, because I'm a huge Heat fan, and he had just signed with the Heat coming into the 2011 season. Um, yeah. So if he would have went to the NFL, who knows if, you know what would have happened. Um, but that would have been, that'd be crazy to watch LeBron James line up on either side of the ball, just 6'8", 270, Calais Campbell, to your point, Calais Campbell is absolutely massive.
1: Are you ready for this? Yeah. I don't know if this is like completely accurate measurements because it's from Wikipedia. LeBron's listed at 6'9", 250. (laughs) is listed, you ready for this? Calais is listed at 6'8", 300.
0: Oh, my gosh.
1: LeBron could easily put on, like, 30 pounds and stay super athletic and just wreak havoc on the line with good coaching.
0: Dude, (laughs) I went to uh, the Dolphins-Jaguars preseason game last year, and uh, it was a game when, like, it was, like, week three when all the starters played the first half. And I remember when uh, the Jaguars ran out, Calais Campbell kind of came over to our section, and I was, like, Mm -hmm. in the end zone, and he came out, came over to our section and just, like, mean-bugged the whole crowd. I swear on my life, he is the biggest human I've ever seen in my entire life. I almost became a Jags fan just because I was afraid he was gonna like kill me. And I just wanted to act like, like I was I don't think I was wearing a dolphin jersey, but I was like, Yeah, yeah, awesome. Go jacks. Like he just <laughs> he mean mugged me and my, my whole section and we were like ten feet away from him and it was just it was terrifying.
1: Yeah. We'll talk about it a little bit more when for we do the AFC North. But I'm super excited for him to be in Baltimore.
0: Oh. Yeah, I mean that, that's a that's a whole other conversation. But he's gonna, he's really going to change that defense. He's a he's amazing. He's somebody like um, we talked about Chandler Jones last mm-hmm. podcast. Um, just one of those underrated <laughs> you know lineman that yeah always is you know up in you know the leading of sacks every single year, but really doesn't get that much recognition. It's not like Aaron Donald yeah. or Khalil Mack or things like that, but definitely really good.
1: Yeah, maybe it's just an Arizona thing because he was in Arizona before he went to Jacksonville. True,
0: True. that is, yeah. I'm sure it is. I'm sure it is. Um, who knows? I mean, Baltimore always has a strong defense. The fact yeah. they added him. Yeah, I, we should not talk about We should save it for the other time because I'm going to get wrapped up in Calais Campbell.
1: Yeah, now I want to talk about the Ravens, so let's move on.
0: Yeah, <laughs> uh, a couple other interesting things. This, is, this probably has um, more of an impact on the season. Is Alden Smith was reinstated. Uh, he was suspended a little bit um obviously going to be huge for the Cowboys defensive line um putting him with um Smith and you know Demarcus Lawrence and and all kinds of stuff so do you have any takes on that
1: I uh as a Giants fan I'm scared (laughs) as an NFL fan I like it because he was just so dominant when he did play before his terrorist attacks and all the other things he (laughs) did wrong but dude had 47 and a half sacks in basically three years because he had like two years where he played like five games
0: yeah, which is insane. And we'll talk about this a little later because we're doing the NFC East breakdown and, and preview, and so the Cowboys are in there. Uh, but I didn't even know they added Gerald McCoy in the offseason. I just yep. – one of those things went on the radar. So Gerald McCoy, Alden Smith, uh, DeMarcus Ontario Lawrence. Don Terry Poe. D'Ontary, I mean, they're going to have a stacked defensive line this year. Yeah. So.
1: Yeah, I, I'm excited to talk about it just because, like, again, as an NFL fan, I like what they did but I'm a Giants fan, so I'm scared.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, let's uh, let's pick up the pace. Just a couple more things. We'll, we'll hit on it real fast, and we'll kind of get to the uh, divisional preview of the NFL, NFL – uh, or NFC East, excuse me. Um, another thing that happened this week, owners tabled the Rooney Rule suggestion. Uh, any takes on that? We talked about that last week.
1: Yeah, we both basically kind of agreed it's going to lead to more, like, systematic racism than it is going to help anything. And there's going to become, like, token coaches that get jobs just because they want better draft picks. Yeah, so I'm exactly glad they tabled it. I'm yeah. really glad
0: they tabled it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, I definitely applaud them for promoting equality. Um, I just, you know, don't think that was the way to do it. There's, there's better, yeah. you know, more efficient ways to do that. So uh, that was tabled. Um, moving on. Uh, we, last week we talked about the Russell Wilson, and there was a rumor that the Seahawks were willing to trade him to the Browns for that number one pick in 2017. Mm-hmm. Uh, or was it 2018?
1: 2018, I think.
0: 2018. Um, and now another rumor came out saying that if they were to trade and get that number one pick, they would have selected Josh Allen. So I thought it was interesting because I started thinking, all right, well, if that did happen, Josh Allen versus Baker Mayfield. And at first you're like, okay, you know, it's, it's probably not super close. Like most people would pick Baker Mayfield as their quarterback for their for their franchise. Then I started looking at the stats, though. and I know Baker had an awful year. The whole team in Cleveland had an awful year. But it's not. As far as we think, I think it's a closer matchup than, than really um, what meets the eye. So just really quick, Baker or Josh Allen, who are you taking and why?
1: Taking Baker all day. Uh, Josh Allen, like, I don't think he's bad. Yeah. I don't think it's anything to do with, like, him being so much less competent of a quarterback than Baker. I think Baker is just a better leader. Mm-hmm. And I feel like Baker would bring that, like, 12th man mentality that Seattle's always had to a whole new level yeah like look what he did with Cleveland like they have all like united around him more than I've ever seen them unite around one of the quarterbacks they picked yeah whereas Josh Allen's more of a quiet leader uh hot take
0: I would take Josh Allen and I don't think it's a hot take I would t- well I would take Josh Allen and I think uh I think that he obviously Baker's a better passer than Josh Allen um but Josh Allen, his rushing ability and the upside that that brings is insane. I was shocked to see that he had 17 rushing touchdowns in his first two seasons. Mm-hmm. He said eight and nine, respectively. That's insane. Um, I think it'll be interesting this year to see kind of how he does as a passer. And uh, now that they've added, now that he has John Brown and Stephon Diggs. Um, and if Dawson Knox can take another step as a tight end, um, it'll be interesting. Um, but I just, I just think that Josh Allen is a good leader. Um, he's definitely more quiet than Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield, just in your face. Um, yeah. But I like Josh Allen, and I like the way he's developing. I think he's going to become a, an okay passer, a decent passer. Um, he's not the most accurate right now, obviously. But uh, I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's definitely close. I know there was a lot of people in that draft, too, that that kind of debated whether or not Baker deserved to go number one. And I don't, I remember it kind of being not a surprise, but it wasn't like as much of a lock as, you know, Joe Burrow this year. It was just kind of like, yeah. you know, who's going to be the first pick in that draft? So. I'll take an Allen.
1: Yeah. I don't think it was a wrong answer. I think Allen's asked to do a lot less than Baker is schematically yeah. speaking. So it's showing cause they basically like, Hey, here's your one or two reads and then take off. If you don't see anything.
0: Yeah.
1: Whereas Baker, they're asking him to do everything right now, but I'm sure that'll change it. to
0: Yeah. And that'll be interesting too. Cause I, I listen, I'm always going to say this. I tweeted this week two of last season um, Freddie Kitchen should not be calling plays. He completely schemed Baker Mayfield up the wrong way. Baker Mayfield mm-hmm. was really good in Oklahoma with like short reads, quick you know, quick RPOs, and just uh, yes. not as much as some of the other quarterbacks you know do, that are coming out now. Were but just more of just a quick, fast-paced offense, and Kitchen just decided yeah. to make him do five-step drops, and you know, their offensive line was terrible. So it's like by the time he was hitting his fifth, his fifth you know drop, there's people in his face, he's having to run and scramble out. It was just a mess last year. I agree. Play calling, everything. So um, it'll be interesting to see what Stefanski can do there. Uh, last thing we jogged down, this is all for you, my friend. Eli Manning joins Twitter. Awesome. What do you think?
1: I think he's a better tweeter than he was an NFL quarterback, and I think he's <laughs> a Hall of Fame lock as an NFL quarterback.
0: <clears throat> he definitely had some funny stuff. He did.
1: Yeah. And it's so cool seeing like fans of the NFL, not necessarily Giants fans, just like rally around his Twitter account. And it's like, he doesn't miss shots. Like, he just hits everything, even when yeah. he's like doing sponsored tweets for Frank's Red Hot Sauce.
0: Yeah. I saw that. <laughs> I think it's great, too, because as somebody who's not a Giants fan and who hasn't, you know, obviously followed the Giants as close as you have, yeah. it's very interesting um, because we, I view, you know, Eli Manning as somebody who's very quiet. And we talked a little bit about that last week. Um, but just somebody who's really quiet not not outspoken you know definitely one of those quiet leaders but seeing him join twitter it's just like he has a sense of humor and it's hilarious and yeah i've become a bigger fan of eli manning in the past day and a half
1: yeah every every former player says he was always the funniest guy <laughs> in the locker room He was always like the one who's like rallying yeah. the team and is making everybody laugh and have fun i think he's just like he's a professional just like peyton is so like when he's yeah. in front of people in a professional setting that's who he is but when he's just having fun on twitter He's going to roast Tom Brady all day.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It was definitely funny. Um, speaking of the Giants, uh, we're going to move on now. That's it for our uh, weekly rapid recap. But uh, let's move on to our divisional preview. Last week we did the NFC West. Uh, today we're going to do the NFC East. And then we're going to tackle the AFC in the next two podcasts as well. Um, NFC East, this will be fun for you as a Giants fan. Yeah. Um, this is always a pretty interesting division every year i feel like just because there's like three competent teams and then there's usually you know the redskins i mean yeah. i don't <laughs> i don't want to be rude the giants are kind of in that redskins tier as of recent
1: yeah i, I would say i was gonna say like We've mostly been hold back, held back by coaching.
0: Yeah, I don't want to say we're like I don't want to say you've been just a complete mess like that, like either you've yeah. had injuries or coaching, but you haven't been like a consistent like playoff contender yeah. every single year. Um, That's true. So it's usually been the Eagles and you know Cowboys has been the, the leaders of that. Um, it could change this year, and it's super interesting. So we're going to kind of go through every single team and just kind of break down some additions, some uh, yeah. you know, some departures, and kind of what we think and what we'll expect from each yeah. team. Uh, so let's start with the Giants. Your yeah. team, take it away.
1: Yeah, before we go into that, the fun thing about the NFC East too is like they always beat up on each other too.
0: Yeah. So like
1: the Redskins could be the worst team in the NFL and the Cowboys can be the best team in the NFL and the Redskins still have a good chance of beating the Cowboys yep. every time it's they play.
0: Competitive. Yeah.
1: So it's a, it's a fun division because of that.
0: One of the more competitive divisions in football. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah.
1: Yeah, so notable things to start with would be the coaching staff moves the Giants made. Love the Joe Judge hiring. Love mm-hmm. Jason Garrett coming in as OC. We talked about how he was an elite offensive coordinator um, in the past. I like uh, bringing in Graham as defensive coordinator, having that versatile New England system. Uh, the two like kind of under-the-radar signings for his coaching staff that I think are going to be the biggest additions is Burden Burns. So for those unfamiliar with who that is, he's been the Alabama running back coach since basically Nick Saban got there and has pumped out NFL talent nonstop, and now he's going to be coaching Saquon Barkley. So it's going to be a huge addition for us. And then Mark Colombo to coach the offensive line. It's going to be massive. Mm-hmm. massive massive differences even if we ignore the signings and the draft picks we got just having a competent coach that's not hal hunter makes our whole line better
0: <laughs> yeah i don't
1: know and if you have adding anything hand, you to add to adding that. Andrew
0: Thomas to that as well was your first yeah. pick um yeah that will be good mm-hmm.
1: yeah so the offseason moves wise um, i like the moves we added uh all of them except for bradbury probably we're all like low risk high potential high reward signings like blake martinez kyler frackle mm-hmm. um kind of underrated, kind of hated on by Packers fans and like kind of like not really well-known across the NFL, mm-hmm. but both of them had their best seasons under Patrick Graham and both of them last year in green Bay were asked to do things they weren't good at mm-hmm. in that scheme. So like frackle was a depth piece behind the Smith brothers and was asked to do a lot of coverage where meanwhile, he's actually like a pass rusher.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then Martinez is just a solid, like, I'm going to get a ton of tackles linebacker.
0: Huh. And I love Martinez. Yeah. Yes. I love Martinez. I think Martinez is pretty good. Um I thought that was a good signing. Uh but I agree with you on on Fackel too.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Keeping Leonard Williams will be a good addition for our line as well. Uh Cam Flanag's a low low risk depth piece for the offensive tackle position that it's familiar with Cunt Lumbo and Garrett's scheme, so he's gonna be helpful for that. Uh got a blocking tight end in Tulio and then Bradbury. He's, like, a very underrated number one corner. Like, he's not top five or ten corner, but he's uh-huh. a true number one corner. He's good. And the thing I like about his signing is that he follows the number one receiver into the slot, uh-huh. which is what killed us last year, is Baker or Jenkins would <laughs> cover the number one receiver, and they move into the slot, and we'd have Grant Haley covering them. Yeah. So they would just eat Grant Haley up.
0: Yeah. And then you also have uh, Jabril Peppers returning, who is yeah. going to be healthy. He was awesome last year. Yeah. Um, it'll be big, year two, Daniel Jones, obviously. Mm-hmm to see that if he can take that next step, he was really impressive in 13 games as a rookie. Um, I think the big question for the giants is their health. If they can all stay healthy, I think they will be good. Um, yeah. Especially their offense. Cause they were all in and out of the lineup. We talked about that stat where all their main pieces, like their five or six main pieces uh, failed to play one snap together in 20, <laughs> 2019. So uh, we'll see if they can be healthy. I did have a question for you though. I want to see what you think about this. Yeah. Um, I, I kind of gotten it, you know, uh, Question: I asked a question to somebody on Twitter, and you know he responded and stuff. they about Evan Ingram. Um, I love mm-hmm. him. I think he's really talented. He's awesome. He's you know you can use him as you know a, a hybrid tight end kind of. I know he's taken a couple handoffs you know in his career so far. He's just been an interesting yeah. player. Um, the new coaching staff there was rumors they had him on the trading block uh, during the draft, so it yeah. means they really might not be super high on him. You mm-hmm. know maybe I don't know if they want to or maybe they think they can get some value out of him before he gets hurt again because he's been a little injury prone. Yeah. Uh, What do you think about that? Do you think that will affect his, you know, maybe the amount of targets he sees in 2020? Or do you think they're going to trade him or going to roll with him?
1: Yeah, I think think we talked about this already a little bit in one of the episodes. But I think they're just looking to see what value they get out of him. He's very good. They know he's very good. Jason Garrett loves using tight ends. Mm -hmm. So I think if they have him, they'll use him. But I think Caden Smith looked really good last year, so they're not afraid of losing him now. Yeah. Um, so I think they're just trying to see if they can maybe get like a second or third round pick for him before he walks or they have to extend it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, I'm a huge Evan Ingram fan. I think he's really talented, really, really unique in the way that he can be used. Um, all in all, I know you've, you had the giants as a team that could p- possibly be a sleeper and sneak mm-hmm. into the playoffs in the NFC East. I'm right there with you. I think if they can stay healthy and if with this new coaching staff, if you know, this offense can take the next step, you got some weapons on defense some pretty good weapons. I wouldn't be surprised if the Giants sneaking in the playoffs at all. And uh, I'm excited to watch him. I'm excited to watch his team.
1: Yeah. Dave Gittleman did a good job attacking the spots of weaknesses in the draft in the offseason very heavily. And I think it's going to pay off, whether it's the low key signings he made or it's the draft class. Like, I think Thomas McKinney are surefire starters. And I think all the linebackers they took late could develop, potentially. At least one of them will develop, plus the signings. I think it's going to be good.
0: Yeah. Well, let's move on to your second favorite team, the Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> uh, interesting team, as always. I feel like they're always competitive, and they always have—they always underwhelm. That's what I feel like yeah. they always do every year. Have a good roster, and they always just fall short. Um, whether it's not making the playoffs or even in the playoffs, they just—they fall short. So, yeah. um, it's clear they have talent on both sides of the ball this year, um, mm-hmm. especially after adding you know firepower on offense and CD Lamb, but then also signing some key free agents on defense. Plus Alden Smith, like we talked about, getting reinstated. Yeah. Um, I just think the question is, it's just it's time for them to produce, and win when it counts, I mean, there's really yeah. no excuse. Um, Jason Garrett was fired, obviously now is with the Giants. We just talked about, but um, Mike McCarthy, I don't know, <laughs> I don't know. I I don't really have a huge take on Mike McCarthy. I don't really know what to expect. He's not the worst coach. I mean, a lot of the the Packers, I feel like them going down and kind of yeah. uh, starting to, you know fall off a little bit kind of coincided in Aaron Rodgers kind of you know you know slowing down a little bit in his career whether or not that was McCarthy's fault you know I don't know Uh, but it will be interesting for me my my big question for the Cowboys is it'll be Kellen Moore's second full year as OC Uh, obviously he's been been very impressive and I want to see how that relationship with Mike McCarthy is going to work Um, you know how those two will coexist so that's my big question what are your thoughts?
1: Yeah, I think they're either going to be held back from the playoffs by the coaching staff, like you're kind of touching on a little bit, mm-hmm. or just with how much the rest of the division improved. Because they did a lot to improve too, but they also had a lot of big losses <clears throat> this year. Uh-huh. Like they lost Travis Frederick. They lost Robert Quinn. They lost Randall Cobb. They lost like all of their O-line depth. Uh-huh. And they lost Byron Jones most notably. So like that's, a, that's yeah. a lot of big losses. But they did have a really good offseason. They added Jared McCoy and Don Terry Poe like we talked about earlier. Yeah. They added HaHa Clinton Dix. They added Alden Smith. They added Dalton and Worldly for depth, and then their draft class was insanely good. Yeah. Like they got one, two, three for sure starters, in my opinion, maybe four for sure starters, with two players who would definitely contribute outside of that. They're gonna yeah. be good. It's
0: scary. Yeah. And we, we talked a lot about the Cowboys, I feel like in the first, you know, three episodes of this podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because they've been in the news a lot. Um, it'll be interesting to see, you know. If if Dak signs and, you know, if they franchise tag him for another year and, you know, what happens with that. But uh, there's no question. Amari Cooper, C.D. Lamb, Michael Gallup, um, you know, should should be pretty good. It'll be interesting to see how effective their tight ends are because I know, you know, Jason Witten is now in Oakland or Las mm-hmm. Vegas, excuse me. Um, I don't know. Uh, something that I think we don't really talk about is, uh, is Blayton Vander Esch. Very yeah. good linebacker. Missed the whole – or the the rest of last season in the middle. Injured his neck or something in how what week it was last year. Uh, Missed the rest of the season. Uh, Apparently, he's on track to return, be fully healthy for the 2020 season. So, um, I mean, he was really good when he's healthy. So, you're adding him, uh, you know, in in that linebacking core along with Jalen Smith. And then you also have, like we talked about, a dominant defensive line. They could be Mm -hmm. a really good defense um, in 2020. So yeah. that would be something to watch out for.
1: Yeah, kind of touching on what you just talked about with the tight ends and the D-line. Yeah. They signed Lunda Wells, who was the Giants tight end coach, who is like a very well-respected tight end coach in the league, and he's part of the reason why Evan Engram was good and Caden Smith flashed so much last year mm-hmm. with his coaching. And then on the D-line, they signed Jim Tamosa, who like many of you like, may not be familiar with him, but he was the interim head coach, I want to say, in San Fran after Harbaugh left.
0: Yeah, Jim Tomsula?
1: Yeah. And he, was the head, and he was the D-line coach there before that, and he developed lots of good D-line players for them. So I think yeah. the talent he has there is going to be really easy to work with for him.
0: Speaking back to tight ends, is it going to be Blake Jarwin season?
1: I think so. He looked pretty good last year, <laughs> generally.
0: Remember, who is that tight end they had? Dude, oh, yes. So it's like I remember you, uh, when you were getting married, um, we had your uh, – it was like your your wedding party. I forgot what you call it. Um, Bachelor party? No, it was like the night before the wedding.
1: Oh, rehearsal dinner.
0: Yeah, rehearsal dinner. We were over at your, your parents' house. It was super fun. It was awesome. And uh, I remember we left because you guys, you know, you spent the night, you know, hung out with your family that night, rightfully so. We went back to uh, to our apartment, a lot of our, our friends, and we watched the preseason game of the Cardinals and Cowboys. And I remember the Cowboys had this, or this tight end, uh, Rico Gathers or something.
1: Oh, yeah, I mean, the basketball player.
0: Dude, and he was good. I think he like, caught this big jump ball, touched out in the back of the end zone in that game. And uh, we were all like, oh, he's going to be the next, you know, when Jason Witten's gone, he's going to be the next tight end. He's going to be crazy. I think he's like 6'8 or 6'7 or something. Yeah. He's huge. And so I just thought of that. I remember we all thought it was going to be Rico Gather season, and I don't even know where he's at right now yeah
1: I, so. w- I want to say he's in Arizona now but he's like he ended up not doing anything
0: yeah you know who he's reminds me and I it's so easy to make it off topic if I say this name right now because you're going to talk about this for like 25 minutes Doriel Green Beckham
1: oh I love Doriel Green Beckham.
0: <laughs> that was like your your Madden 16 or 17 Randy Moss
1: yeah he was in Madden he was so great he was like 6'5 220 and for whatever reason in Madden he had like a 93 speed
0: it was. Freaking so the dude was like a freaking weapon. It was a cheat code, and then it just did not reflect his play on the field. I mean, when he was when he played and he got peppered with targets, the dude was freaking good. But yeah, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what happened to him. He was, was another not...
1: one of those guys with a ton of like off the field issues. Yeah, and people just got tired of dealing with them.
0: He's like a Justin Blackman.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, except he got more chances.
0: <laughs> it's very true. Um, all right, let's move on to the Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah. Um, won the Super Bowl in 2017. Um, very interesting. Obviously, the big question with them, as they've added a bunch of offensive talent, um, they've also lost a little bit of talent on the defensive side of the ball. Um, they've added a ton of speed on offense. Um, mm-hmm. and they traded for Marquise Goodwin. Uh, they drafted Jalen Rager. Um, they have, um, what's, the, what's the guy's name? Uh, Deshaun Jackson. Deshaun Jackson. So, I mean, they have a ton of speed. Uh, but the big question, and whether it's his fault or not for his injuries, it'll be, can Wentz stay healthy yep. with an improved offense? I mean, I think you could agree with me. Like, it's some of his injuries. It's really not been his fault. It's it's kind of fluky where he gets like slammed in the head or kneed in the head when he's going for a touchdown. I mean, it's not really. I would really. I wouldn't call him injury prone, but he yeah. just gets hurt too much.
1: Yeah. So I want to talk about that in a second. But real yeah. quick, I just want to point out some other notable moves they had. Uh-huh. Uh, they signed Javon Hargrave from the Steelers, who's going to be a huge addition to the yes. defensive line. Um, Nickel Roby Coleman is going to be a huge addition to their slot corner role traded for Darius Slay, signed Trevor Williams. I think they did a lot to improve their two weakest spots, which was corner and wide receiver.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Um, the pick I, the two picks I like a lot were John Hightower and Kayvon Wallace. Hmm.
0: John Hightower
1: is like a Deshaun Jackson clone, but without like any of the hype or like – I don't want to say production because he did a lot in Boise State, but I don't think he's going to be Deshaun Jackson. He's just like the same mold of player.
0: Yeah.
1: And then Kayvon Wallace is a beast. I love him.
0: Yeah, they, they definitely added a ton of talent on offense, which they – I mean, if they didn't, I think every single fan in Philly would have probably moved somewhere else and taken their, their fan base somewhere else. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, he had nobody last year. I mean, m- most of that had to do with Alshon Jeffrey and Deshaun Jackson being hurt, but, I mean, it was mm-hmm. crazy.
1: Yeah, now they're stacked. It's going to be a good year for him if he stays healthy.
0: Yeah. Let's talk about that, his health. Yeah,
1: so – Shout out to our boy, Nate Eichner. He like shared something on Instagram and me and him had a conversation about it. And it was somebody trying to say that Carson Wentz is not injury prone, which I completely disagree with. Mm -hmm. And the basis is, yeah, I I think he is. So, but I might have a different definition of injury prone than most Mm -hmm. people do. I would say any player who has multiple injuries over multiple seasons is injury prone, Mm -hmm. whether or not they re aggravate the same injury multiple times or not. I don't know if that's what you would say is injury prone or not, but that'd be my definition.
0: Yeah. No, I, I just think with his injuries, like, I think it's – I don't want to say it's been fluky, but, I mean, I just feel like it's not – like, I would I would call RG3 injury prone just mm-hmm. because, like, what's happened to him. I mean, he's always hurt, whether it's, like, he, you know, obviously tore his ACL a bunch. Nothing you can really do about that once you come back from that. It's, you know, it's just kind of downhill. Yeah. But then, you know, breaking his ribs. getting I mean, he's just always getting hurt. I just feel like Carson Wentz um, – I think his concussion last year or whatever knocked him out of that playoff game mm-hmm. uh, in the first quarter, that was fl- that was fluky. I mean, he was diving for yeah. a touchdown and somebody speared him in the helmet. I, like, I don't know. I mean, most, every single player in the NFL, if they got speared in the helmet like that would be hurt and have a concussion. So I don't want to say it's like, oh, he's just. But, but then you can also raise the question, like, what are you doing diving in the end zone? If you know you have struggled with injuries, don't do that. Don't go head yeah. first. So, I mean, I don't know. I, I wouldn't call him injury prone yet. If he gets hurt this year and like it, it's a significant injury, I'm I'm right there with you. He's injured. Yeah,
1: all of his injuries are freak accidents because of stuff like that. Like he's just doing yeah. it, trying to do too much, and that even yeah. goes back to his days at North Dakota State. Like he was injured a lot. Mm-hmm. I think Easton Stick quarterbacked both of his like national championship teams that Carson Wentz won, just like Nick Foles quarterbacked his Super Bowl team because yeah. of him getting injured. But yeah. the the main reason why I disagree with that article that Nate shared is because the person's basis for Carson Wentz not being injury prone is. Let me see if I can find it again real quick. I know for sure two of the quarterbacks that he said actually were injury prone was Jimmy Garoppolo and Deshaun Watson. And I was, like, so upset by that.
0: I would disagree with Watson, like,
1: I disagree with both. They both had, like, two season-ending injuries, and that was it. Yeah. So here's the list. So it's Big Ben missing 17, Cam Newton missing 17, Garoppolo missing 13, Watson missing 9, Rodgers missing 9, and Wetz missing 8. Yeah, which like Wentz get hurt three or four times, plus North Dakota State. Meanwhile, I don't even remember the last time Aaron Rodgers got injured. Obviously, he has. he's missed nine games in the last four years. I
0: think. 2017.
1: Yeah. Watson played 17. till like week eight, and then missed the rest of the season. Garoppolo played till week three, and then missed the rest of the season. Cam Newton's injury prone. I'm not gonna argue that one. And then Big Penn missed all of last season. So like your your argument for Wentz not being injury prone is three four quarterbacks who have had season-ending injuries early in the season and then haven't got injured since. So I just thought it was yeah. a really plot, plot argument.
0: Yeah, I'll say, yeah, I, I'll keep my opinion the same. If he gets hurt this year and it's significant, then, then yeah, there's, there's some concerns about his health and like if you can really trust him. And I think they know that. That's why they drafted the Jalen uh, uh, Hurts. I mean, when they mm-hmm. did. And that surprised everybody, including yeah. myself. I wanted Jalen yeah. Hurts to get drafted by the Steelers and take over for Big Ben. Um, that would have been fun. Yeah, it would have been very fun. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, he's good when he's on the field. I mean, he's going to be a fantasy, you know, perspective. He's going to be a really good fantasy quarterback this year with all the speed they have. Yeah, and with year two, Miles Sanders. Yeah,
1: underway. he's he's super underrated. So I'm excited to see what he yeah. does this year if he stays healthy.
0: Yeah, he is. So it's real quick, um, I don't have to shut it down, but I'm just interested to hear your opinion. How do you think they're going to use if they do Jalen Hurts in the offense? Like, like probably not Taysom Hill. Like, right?
1: I don't know. I. I want to. Who was it? Was it the Was it the Ravens last year, who like had uh, Hertz or not Hertz, um, RG three <laughs> and Jackson on the field at the same time, yeah. and they like ran passing plays where like Jackson passed the Hertz and then like Hertz passed again or something, or not Hertz? I keep seeing Hertz <laughs> oh, <no>. or RG three <laughs> passed again or something like that. Yeah, I could see them using him in like that role. Yeah, because he's he's definitely a better passer than Taysom Hill. Definitely yeah. a better runner than Taysom Hill. But Taysom Hill's yeah. like like the gadget player could do everything. So it's just going to be interesting.
0: Yeah, I mean, he's he's there for the future. Um, and just in case, because we, we've said this on the podcast before, you're only as good as your worst quarterback. So it's like if Wentz goes down again and they're super good and they have a good record, you know, they don't yeah. want to. I mean, listen, they're the team that won a Super Bowl with a backup quarterback. Yeah. So it just makes them, you know, now that Foles is gone, it just makes them know, that, you know, hey, let's go get a guy. Let's go get a guy that can, can be good. Yeah. Do you have anything else about this Eagles team? Uh, I want to talk about Miles Sanders at all.
1: I think he's going to have a huge step this year. I'm a big fan of him. Me too. Uh, we were joking around earlier. It might have been earlier today. It might have been yesterday about how I've been playing Madden ever since we talked about the Madden ratings episode. And I just did a draft with uh, him as my running back, and I'm just, like, feeding the ball yeah. nonstop, like 20-something carries a game, and he's getting passing touches too. And Dude's a beast in Madden, at least.
0: Yeah. Uh, for Speaking in fantasy terms, I, I heard uh, – was, I was listening to a, the fantasy – or the CBS Sports Fantasy Football podcast of the day, and they did a mock draft, and I think it's Dave Richard. Um, he took him seventh overall in the draft. And I just, like, listen, I like him. He's on a good offense, but just knowing Doug Peterson's history with using multiple running backs. Boston Scott was really good last year. Uh, I know it's funny, but he was good when he had the, when he had the chance, and mainly because of injuries, but, yeah. I mean – He's going to be the second running back if they don't sign anybody. I know there's been rumors with Devontae Freeman, and there was rumors a couple weeks ago with Carlos Hyde, but now he's in Seattle. You know, who knows? I mean, there's still a couple guys out there. There's uh, who else? Devontae Freeman, and there's – I can't remember. uh, Lamar Miller is still out there. So Mm -hmm. that's somebody that a lot of people forget about too. So it'll be interesting to see what Doug Peterson does. If Miles Sanders is the main back week one, which I think he's going to be the main back regardless of who they sign, but if they don't bring in another running back to this roster week one – Miles Sanders is going to be insane in this offense.
1: Yeah. He's got the talent to be top seven. I don't think he's going to get the workload to be top seven.
0: That's the, that's the issue. Yeah, he should. He has all the talent in the world. I mean, he could he could literally be a top five running back if he was on an offense that just – he was the workhorse or the bell cow and that was it. We mm-hmm. just don't think it's going to happen with Doug Peterson. He never does. He never does. Yeah. Brought in Jay Ajayi, He had Jordan Howard and uh, all these slew of running backs last year. Uh, Darren Spro, I mean, he's always mixing Darren Sproles. <laughs> that's
1: another thing, too. That's another position that's been super injured for them, and that's why yeah. they brought in so many running backs. Maybe if Sanders stays healthy, he's like, we got our guy. Hopefully. we didn't see him with a healthy star running back. I
0: know a lot of people are saying, oh, well, you know, he was the workhorse last year down the stretch, and he performed really good. Well, the, well everybody was hurt. So it's just like, you know, you can't say that because, like, if everybody was healthy and, he, and they just he just benched everybody and used Sanders, that's one thing. But – It'll be interesting to see what happens. Um, yeah. If, if he's the starter and he's the only guy in that backfield week one, I, I want a lot of shares of him. Yeah. Um, anything before we move on to the worst team ever?
1: No, I'm, I'm ready to talk about the
0: oh, the Washington I just Redskins. I want to throw up first. The Washington Redskins. Yeah. I don't even know what's going on here. The biggest I... question for me uh, is, is not only what's going on in the backfield, just mainly the offense, but I'm just going to go ahead and say uh, – it's, it'll be interesting to see what Rod Rivera and his new offensive you know, coaching staff can do to this offense.
1: Yeah, it's – I don't even know where to start. They might be the only team to add Chase Young this offseason and not get better.
0: <laughs> i was thinking the same thing.
1: I like, I like the low-risk uh, draft picks of Sadiq Charles and uh, Antonio Gandy-Golden. They were two guys I wanted the Giants to target late. Yeah. Um, but Gibson, how are they going to use him? They already have a like, crowded, crowded backfield. Yeah. And then Keith Ishmael should be solid. But, again, I don't think it was a need. They could have used the picks better. And why the heck did they wait so long to trade Trent Williams? I don't know. They traded Trent Williams and got Antonio Gandy-Golden for him when they could have traded Trent Williams and potentially got Jedrick Wills or somebody like that or maybe even like a second-round tackle.
0: Yeah. I don't know. The whole team is weird. And, I mean, we have to give Ron Rivera the benefit of the doubt, though. I mean, yeah. he has a good track record. Um, he's been pretty productive wherever he's been at, but I don't know. I just I just don't think this team is built to be competitive this year at all. Even adding Chase Young, like you said, they didn't really get any better. Um, yeah. the, the interesting thing for me, and it'll be it'll be crazy to... St- I want to see what you think about it. Um, you know, Dwayne Haskins was their top pick in 2019, 2019 draft. Yeah. And he played last year. I mean, he was not very good at all. I mean, he he missed Terry McLaurin on at least three wide-open touchdown passes last year. I mean, that's another thing. That's another conversation. If Terry McLaurin catches those, if they're catchable, we're talking about him in a completely different light in fantasy terms. But Dwayne Haskins just wasn't super good. As soon as Ron Rivera gets gets the job, he goes out and he trades for Kyle Allen, who was the starting quarterback all last season. So to me, I don't think that means, oh, Allen's going to start. But I think Dwayne Haskins has a shorter leash than we thought. And I don't think yeah. he's, he's not, he's not Rubio's guy.
1: Yeah. I think it's also interesting that they haven't cut Alex Smith yet, which like, I understand it's probably cap implications, but yeah. dude's probably not playing anyway. So like you're wasting money either way, keeping him. And then yeah. they signed, they other sign, they, yeah, they signed Steven Montez as a UDFA who was a lot of people's like, this is your traits guy you bet on type of guy. So it's going to be interesting. And then I'm looking at their depth chart now because I know they made some good, uh, signings defensively speaking and I just saw that there are two offensive picks uh, for their line in the draft are both listed at third string options so like they're not even going to play probably
0: Ron Rivera's like, you guys got to earn it
1: <laughs> Yeah.
0: on a team that needs to just put all their best players out there and, and win some games and get some confidence and move forward Literally, you guys got to earn it I feel like it's like a high school skills. coach
1: <laughs> yeah their defensive line their defense would probably be good honestly just kind of looking at it, I knew that they made some good signings with uh, Kendall Fuller yep. and Ronald Darby. And then bringing Thomas Davis gives the people that familiarity with Rivera's scheme. Uh, they have a good linebacking core: Ruben Reuben Foster, Cole Hawkam. We just talked about Davis Jr. Mm-hmm. And then the weak spot on their defense that I'm seeing right now is just free safety. Everywhere else looks pretty solid. They have Troy Apke, who's like – you're probably thinking, like, who the heck is that? Mm-hmm. But he like ran. I want to say like a four three forty last year. So he's got the range to go with Collins' like hit stick ability.
0: Uh-huh. But they, yeah. they just t- terrible team. I don't know what's going. On. Yeah, like I said, you got to give him the benefit of the doubt with the new coaching staff. I don't know. I don't know what they're doing at running back. They have like twenty five running backs in their roster, and all of them <sighs> could that. be a threat to get some some type of work in a game. Yeah. Uh, Darius Geis has just been cursed. I don't he's want to sit as him. a
1: starter right now. So yeah. hopefully he stays healthy.
0: That dude's NFL career has just been cursed. The thing that I'm most excited about is, like we said, they added Antonio Gibson. It'll be weird to see how they use him. Antonio Gandy-Golden is good. They have Steven Sims as their other receiver, who came on towards the end of last year. He was pretty solid. But uh, Terry McLaurin, he's so good. I, he's one of those players. I just wish he was on a better team because he's so yeah. good and he's held back. Um, I, I thought I saw an interesting stat. Um, from him last season. And this is this could be, you know, talking in terms of fantasy and kind of what you think about him. Um, obviously, I don't like drafting guys that are on really bad offenses and that don't mm-hmm. have, like, competent quarterbacks. Um, but this is interesting. Uh, in 2019, his rookie season, uh, Terry McLaurin had 38.9% of his team's total passing touchdowns in 2019. So that ranked fourth yeah. in the entire NFL. Um, and he was a rookie. And then he also ranked sixth in the entire NFL as he had 28.6 of his team's total passing yards accounted yeah. for. So, I mean, they really didn't bring any, you know, high-volume threat. I mean, unless you think Antonio Gandy-Golden's going to step in and, like, yeah, be the leader. This is the guy. It's just a matter of can the quarterback get in the ball or not.
1: Yeah, the thing I don't like about him, as far as fantasy value-wise, he had 93 targets, and he only caught 58 of them. Which I, but, I, I guarantee part yeah. of that's Haskins just having bad throws. Totally, But still, that's... That's a lot of volume to have only 58 catches.
0: Yeah. It just, it was weird. I mean, he was in between different quarterbacks. I know they started, uh, I forgot who they started. It was blanking right now. It was the old. Uh,
1: started life. with Smith and then. Well, Smith
0: got hurt in 20, I think Smith got hurt in 2018. And then 2019, they started with the the, um, the Vikings guy. He was the Vikings quarterback during the Minneapolis Miracle.
1: Oh, Case Keenum.
0: Case Keenum. They started with him last year and then moved to Dwayne Haskins so, I mean, he, I'm not saying, like, oh, you know, Scary Terry is Devontae Parker at situation 2.0. I'm not saying that. It's just similar in the fact that, like, he starts his career on a team that's just not very good. You don't have a lot of competent quarterbacks. There's a lot of change. And it's just it, you're, you're talented, but you're held back by it. And Yeah. I don't know. I think he's really stinking good. I'd love to see him go to a – oh, dude, if he got – if he was on the freaking Texans, that would be insane. Yeah,
1: he fits into – we talked about this last week or two weeks ago, whenever it was. It was last week, I think, because we talked about the NFC West last week and DeAndre Hopkins. Um, He kind of fits into that small, shifty, quick, like, mold that we're talking about it seems like the Texans are going for. Mm -hmm. So he he could put up big numbers for them if he were, like Mm -hmm. you were saying.
0: Do you have anything you want to add?
1: No, I was just going to say, like, between Haskins probably not progressing and whatever's going on at left tackle for them. That's going to be their two things that hold them back the most. The defense is pretty solid.
0: Yeah, well, and then I don't if think they're going to make the game, I, don't I don't either. Think they're going to sniff the playoffs. And... No,
1: I, I think they're going to be in contention for the number one pick next year. Yep.
0: Well, Which hey, all me. the power to them. Right. Scares me.
1: I don't want to see Trevor Lawrence in the NFC East.
0: Dude. Don't want to see that. <laughs> Rod Rivera is one hundred percent drafting Trevor Lawrence.
1: Yeah, if even, even if. Uh, oh man, I'm forgetting the name. The name of the owner right now. But even if he says, I want Justin Fields or Trey Lance, Rivera's going to take Trevor Lawrence and say, deal with it.
0: 100. And he should, he has a good track record. It speaks for itself.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: All right. Well, that's all we have for the podcast today. Um, next week we'll be right back here. Same time, same place. Uh, we'll be talking about the AFC. So we'll be going breaking through all that after going through some, some weekly rapid fire topics. Uh, yeah. So we hope you guys enjoy your Memorial Day. Spend some time with friends and family. Hopefully, where you're at, it's not raining like it is in South Florida. Uh, but make sure to follow us on Twitter at TJ Sriano and at Alex Burns Hoops, and then also at ATS Football Pod. As always, guys, enjoy your football. See ya. See ya.